to start with middle schoolers and I really work on their identity. I want to know who they are outside of the classroom because teaching them time management skills, study habits, organizational skills, and, and, and for me, the biggest thing is self-advocacy at an early age is, is so instrumental to who they are outside the classroom because I feel like these skills and tools and character traits are going to have them show up as a better student. Do you want immediate access to new episodes, products, events, and even free tips, tools, and strategies delivered straight to you? Well, join the More Than a Mother community today. Head on over to LawanMoses.com and become a part of our community right now. That's www.lawannmoses.com. I can't wait to see you inside my community. Hey friends, welcome to the More Than a Mother show. I am your host, Lawan Moses, and I am a mom on a mission to help you master your mindset, own your time, and make money moves. Join me each week for tangible tips, tools, and strategies you can use in motherhood, business, and life, as well as inspiring interviews from moms just like you, which will help you own your identity outside of motherhood and find the freedom to do more of the things that you love and enjoy. At More Than a Mother, we are redefining the way you think, feel, and look at motherhood. If you are enjoying this show, feeling inspired and motivated, learning something new, or just absolutely love the show, please do me a favor and help me spread the word. Screenshot this episode and share your biggest takeaways in your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag me at Lawan Moses and also tag at More Than a Mother Podcast so that I can share your share with my audience. Each time you share the show, it helps me to reach more and more moms just like you. So are you ready, mama? Let's go. My guest today is Candace Hudson, a divine professional encourager who believes that God will give beauty for ashes. Motivated by her own college journey, she became an academic success coach and college planning consultant. As the owner of Be Encouraged LLC, Candace assists students with time management, study habits, organization, and self-advocacy. On this episode, Candace and I discuss the role that her faith and prayer played in manifesting all of her dreams, including the college that she had her eye on since she was a child. Candace also shares how she didn't let obstacles stand in her way and the role that her parents played when she was ready to give up on her dreams. Candace and I also dive into talking about the college process, the power of being persistent when you are working towards reaching your goals. And also we tackle that subject that a lot of us struggle to understand, financial aid and FAFSA. Let's dive into my conversation with Candace. Hey, Candice, welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me today. I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, this is going to be a great interview, and I am so excited to talk to you. But before we get into everything, if you could please just introduce yourself to my audience. Okay, so my name is Candace Hudson, and I am an academic success coach and college planning consultant. I work with students um, on time management, self-advocacy, organizational skills, and study habits, and I assist families in their college journey. 
Oh, that is such an important topic, especially now with remote learning and everyone trying to figure out college and all that is going on. I cannot wait to talk about what you do as an academic success coach and how you are helping families. But before we get there at More Than a Mother podcast, we believe that you can be a great mom and pursue your dreams at the same time. However, we also recognize that no one wakes up and they are this great person that they are today. Everyone has a story. And I believe that when you're telling your story, it provides a transformational experience to others and kind of lets them know that life is a journey. And if they just keep being persistent and keep reaching for their goals, that they can achieve them. So if you could please just share with the audience, what were your aha moments or moments along the way that kind of brought you to the point you're at today? So for me, becoming an academic success coach, like that wasn't the plan. I went to, to college to be an accountant. And, and I did that basically because I had an uncle who was a financial planner, consultant, and accountant, and he, he made a lot of money. And I figured this is how you make money. I'm a first-generation graduate as well. So I went to school with the notion, as a lot of people in my generation, go to school and get a good job. But the one thing I noticed when I got to school, besides me encountering a lot of opposition on the way, is that I always felt like, for me, once I came out of school, I felt like I was a, a good student all my years, but I wasn't a great student. And having my niece, her being born when I was 14, and then me having my first son at 19, I began to instill in them the things that I felt like I lacked growing up because I grew up in, you know, Southside, Jamaica, Queens, New York. My mother worked two jobs. My dad is a minister now, but there was a time when he was in the street, you know what I mean? And there was no one there. I had two older sisters, but they were older than me. And there was no one there to make sure I, you know, the talents and gifts I had and no fault to them. There was just no one there to cultivate me in a way that I felt like could have made me great. And I could have had a different you know, high school and college experience. So it, it when I went through college and came out, it, was, it became this thing that I wanted to instill in mostly actually my family members around me and my son, the things I didn't get. And that's good that you were able to discover that in your journey, because I mean, you touched on a lot of things and just telling your story. And I know we kind of glossed over them, but I know you have such a powerful story to share with being a first generation college graduate and then having your son in 19. Could you, if you don't mind, could you please just share some of that journey with us? Oh man, it's going to sound like a lot. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, even going into school, being a, I, as I grew up, I always watched the Cosby show. And I loved A Different World. And A Different World to me was Howard University. And that's where I went to school. And how did I even know about Howard University is because my oldest sister, we are eight years apart. So I always, I was uh, always following her. She always had to babysit me. She took me everywhere. So I was always at her high school. I was always hanging out with her and her friends. And she had a great group of friends. And they were always doing stuff. And they would go to like homecomings and things like that. And I would just be in the room listening to their stories. And their stories would be so engaging. I literally did everything my sister did. I went to the elementary school. We went to the same elementary school, same junior high school, but we're eight years apart. I didn't go to her high school, but I went to the high school she went to for night school because they had supposedly had so much fun there when she was in night school. So that's where I chose to go to high school. And I mimicked her a lot in that. And 
when they went to Howard Homecoming, the story was like glorious to me, right? And then it sounded, I was like, oh, in my mind, it sounded like uh, human, right? And that was the kind of, I'm, I'm a creative and I had that kind of imagination when I was younger and I aspired to want to go to an HBCU, not knowing fully what it was, but I would tell everybody since I was in the sixth grade, oh, I'm going to go to Howard University. And then I literally took a lot of my time when there was really no Google or anything, information when I could like go to high school fairs and start going to college fairs. I would write out that card to get information about them. I knew so much about Howard, no other school. I don't know anything about any other school. I applied to other schools in high school for fun, right? Like we know what it is, where I'm going. And my family, you know, we were not even middle class, you know, we were sh struggling paycheck to paycheck. And there was always this thing of people saying, like, they would hear me in church giving my story and saying where I was going to school. And the bishop at the time at my church, he was very much behind HBCUs. He was a collegiate, you know, had his own collegiate journey. He supported me so much that he, like, took up an offering in the church just to send me on a college tour to Howard. And it was very well known, but people would say to my mother, how are you going to afford college for her? Nobody in my, my family was to college. And in my environment, clearly it wasn't happening. And it was always this thing of how is she going to go to school? And I never thought about it. I just figured like, I'm going to figure it out because I always had the attitude. So when the time came for me to go to school, my dad actually tried to talk me out of it. And I, I, I turned, I was 17 years old. I must have turned into 12. I like fell to the floor, face down, kicked and screamed. And told my mother, he's trying to ruin my life because I think we all know what it is. And he's telling me to go to this state school. And he was actually right. The state school was giving me more money. Other schools were giving me more money. Howard didn't offer me anything. But I remember my mother just whispering to me saying, you're going you're gonna to get it done. We're going to do it. And she kind of did that a lot. So I go off to school. My mother is a woman of faith. And I remember what, me getting there, I wasn't validated like to attend class because my, I still had a bill. No matter, we took all the financial aid they offered us, the loans, whatever they were offering. And I remember my mother going to the financial aid before I could move in. And she went to each person and she said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And when a person responded back to her, God is good. She said, all right, let's sit down. And that was the person that actually helped me get into class. But two weeks after I got to school, my house burnt down to the ground. Wow. Wow. And my, my family lost everything two weeks after I got to school. Wow. Yeah. That's, so I, yeah. That is an incredible story, an incredible journey. And I mean, just listening to you talk, I can just hear the faith that was there. I mean, may not have been able to identify it at the time, but for you to be able to say at a young age, I'm going to go to a HBCU. I don't care how it's going to get done. I just know that this is my plan. And it's so much for writing that vision and having that vision. And we may not realize it when we're younger, but it's really a faith walk all along. And as you said, your mom is a woman of faith. So I'm sure that played a big part in it also. But just knowing that no matter what, I was going to reach my goals and just keep going and keep pushing. So that is phenomenal. So when your yes, family, yes. when your home, when the home burned down, your family lost everything and you were still trying to get through college, like what struggles and challenges, how were you feeling at that time? The first thing I thought was, I'm not supposed to be here. Right? Like, even though I knew I should be there, I was like, wow, this is a sign that I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have pushed it. I shouldn't have pushed my family because I had everyone 
rooting for me. Like, we're going to get this done. And two weeks, you know, after, and the house catches on fire, that was a Wednesday. And then that Saturday, my family's actually already scheduled to come see me because going down, we went down in my aunt's car, which was a compact car. We couldn't even fit it, everything. I had clothes and garbage bags and they were going to bring the rest of my stuff. But there was now there's nothing to bring because the rest of my stuff got burnt up in the house. And then I was grateful that my family made it out. And I felt guilty for feeling like, how do I stay here? And not thinking I should just go home and help my family. And what they did was that was a Wednesday, the very Saturday following that Wednesday of the fire. My family had to, we were in Queens, New York. They went to a shelter in the Bronx and they came down. They found a way down. My two aunts met them. I had two aunts in Maryland who were close by and my aunt gave me the computer off her desk and then they replaced the refrigerator I was supposed to have. And my family came down anyway with no money, nothing like, you know, what they had and to reassure me that I needed to stay. And the challenge was being there and then not knowing, like, I don't have any money. <laughs> right. I mean, that is definitely a challenge. But just the fact that your family still pursued and were persistent and just came to reassure you at a time that you felt like you should really be reassuring them. They came to tell you, hey, this is your path. This is where you're supposed to be. And it's true, in my opinion, that things come up to kind of throw us off track to really make us, when we're walking into our destiny, getting towards our goals, there are those hardships and things that come up to make us kind of doubt that path that we're on. But it's just showing that having the support of your family, even though you were the first person to go to college and do this, but having the support of your family to really make it through and tell you that, hey, we don't care what's happening. This is the path that you set out long ago. So don't let this house fire kind of throw you off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I look back now, it, it wasn't a normal thing to do. I think the your knee-jerk reaction would have been to like, okay, you're going to have to come home. You know what I mean? So it, it when I look back now and I tell the story, I always say, you know, my dad would say to me, and he's actually said this to me recently. He said, you know, me and your mom didn't have the tools that you needed to support you. But what we had was encouragement and that's what we could give you. And that's why my business is called Be Encouraged. That's awesome. And encouragement is such an important tool. And it seems like that encouragement has really instilled in you and now helped you to create these tools to where you could become an academic success coach and kind of go with the encouragement, but then also have these physical tools and strategies that you're teaching to people to help them be successful in academics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Eat a daily reminder that we are on this journey together. The More Than a Mother apparel and products line is your everyday reminder that we are mastering our mindset, owning our time, and making money moves. Head on over to lawanmoses.com forward slash shop so that you can shop the More Than a Mother line and feel inspired and motivated every day to get up, get moving, show the world that you are more than a mother. Now back to this great episode. So tell me more about what you're doing as an academic success coach. Okay, so as an academic success coach, when I work with students, I'm usually the person, I'm not the tutor. So let's say you had a student and they are having issues with math and you want to know, is the issue that I don't get the formula or is there something going on outside of the classroom that is, you know, 
hindering them or preventing them from focusing in class. So what I do is I want to work with the students to kind of learn who they are. And even if they're not having a problem, you might just want to feel like I want to want them to be prepared because a lot of what I do is, is to prepare them for what's going to happen after high school. So I like to start with middle schoolers and I really work on their identity. I want to know who they are outside of the classroom because teaching them time management skills, study habits, organizational skills, and, and, and for me, the biggest thing is self-advocacy at an early age is is so instrumental to who they are outside the classroom because I feel like these skills and tools and character traits are going to have them show up as a better student, right? And then those grades will increase how they, you know, their relationship with their teachers will become stronger. When they're doing activities in school, they won't pick an activity just because somebody told them in high school, you should be like, on 15 and 15 clubs because it looks good for my college application, but they'll still have to choose activities that fuel them, that give them passion, and they can actually have a story to tell behind it. So I love to build them up outside of the classroom using the very tools that they're going to use inside so they can be a better student inside and outside the classroom. That's awesome. And the fact that you say that you start with middle schoolers, because I think that a lot of parents, a lot of us don't think to start in middle school. So could you just speak to like, what is the importance of kind of starting early and starting with middle school? Because I know a lot of us, like when I did it with my son, we didn't start till he was like a sophomore in high school, junior, but realize in retrospect, it's like, okay, that's really too late. So what are kind of the benefits of starting your children on this academic journey and looking towards college and beyond high school when they're in middle school? What I realized is that in middle school is when they begin to develop their, like, you, they have their personality, but the personality begins to really manifest in a way that shows you, gives you insight to who they could be in those ages of, like, 14 to 18 in high school, right? So in elementary school, they're growing, they're learning, they're getting their social skills together. I don't, I don't like to pressure kids in elementary school because you want them to kind of be able to build their character. But in junior high, here's where I have insight to what they're going to do in high school. If I want that high school experience to be rich, to be enjoyable, to have purpose, I can now get them, especially right in the seventh grade, when they are looking at the high school to say, okay, if we know that you're going to go to the high school of interior design then let's start doing things that that help you towards that what is a passion project we could do this summer how can we now choose a high school that's going to go in alignment with this with who they are becoming and you see that personality like burst when they are in in junior high and then now in eighth grade we already know that um in eighth grade i want you to start looking at colleges Right. I want you to take them to open houses. I want you to take them to college tours because you don't realize that their imagination, they still have that imagination and that kid like and childlike nature about them. You put them on a college campus at middle in middle school. They are wow. I mean, it literally makes them they're like, is this what it looks like? And you get the, the wheels moving and turning and you get something burning inside them. When they get to high school, they're going to look at high school very differently, knowing that there's a goal outside of high school. And then what they do now is going to have a, a, a body of work. And when I talk about a student's body of work, it's not just their grades. It's their grades, the relationships they make with teachers who become the people that they use for recommendations. It's the choices of clubs and activities. How do you participate in school government and, and just the rallies at school? You start to look at your high school experience so different. So get, catching them in middle school is the best time because like you said, sophomore and junior year, it's like, I don't have time to plan, 
right? You're, you're already looking at schools and your junior year, honestly, right. you should be prepping your applications. Middle school gives you the time to plan out what high school should look like. Wow. I never even thought about that. I just learned so much listening to you right now as I have my daughter <laughs> that one just started sixth grade and then one is in eighth grade. And I would have never thought to go to a co- on a college tour or visit a college campus and take the open house. I mean, I never would have thought about that. So I am learning so much just listening to you right here because we really, a lot of us parents, we really think that it starts once they get in high school, but you're telling us, no, it, you really need to start in middle school because that's when you're really going to kind of capture their attention and show them what is out there so that when they enter into high school, they have a whole different mindset. So that's powerful. Wow. Absolutely. I definitely learned a lot from that. So yes, that I have them. I have to look <laughs> into all of this myself when this is over. So when what kind of gave you, what was your plan or strategy? What gave you these tools and how did you start to put these tools together to kind of build this academic success path? Was it just like through trial and error? Did you have like a case study or a case example or someone in your life that you used that gave you these skills? Oh, absolutely. It'd be my kids. <laughs> it's my kids and cousins and nieces. So like I told you, when I got to school, the house caught on fire my freshman year, two weeks later. Now my sophomore year, I get pregnant. And my junior year, I have my son. Okay. And that is a, a story all in itself. So again, I was faced with that kind of reality. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to drop out of school. And I actually tried. I actually tried. And my mother, this is the one time she didn't agree with me. Because when I came to her on, when I, I hid my pregnancy, for seven months, because I was a small girl. I was very embarrassed. I was the good girl. I made it to school. I had all those labels and people pleasing and things on me, um, which I can look back now and see it. But I had all those things going on that I was even afraid to say I was pregnant and I was going to keep this baby. So when I came to my mother, I already had a plan in place on on how I was going to take a semester off from school, do what I needed to do and then go back. And usually my mother was always down with all my plans because Candace is the driven one, right? She kind of knows what she's doing. Why not trust her? And this time she said, no, what you're going to do is get your wallow yourself right back onto this bus and go back to school. You go talk to those professors and you figure it out. And I did. So here, the thing is all this time I'm thinking I'm supposed to be an accountant. Math is fun to me. I like numbers. I literally all four years gained all the knowledge that I use now because I encountered so many issues. I remember uh, one of the big things that I, I work with families and college planning is financial aid. Why? Because I was in school and I couldn't get a job. I was a, I was given work study and couldn't find a job. And I went to the student employment office every day for two weeks. And I came in and she would say, oh, you know, we don't have anything. I said, okay. I came back the next day on my free period. And this is when my son is back on, my son did come back to campus uh, to live with me in DC. And she knew my name every day I came in. She's like, Candace, we don't have anything. And I said, I'm going to come here till you get something. And I went there every day. She said, you know what? I think I got a spot in financial aid, but you got to take a test. I said, don't nobody else got to take no test to get no student employment? Why got to take a test? And, and again, this is God prepping me. I literally went into that test not knowing what to do. And I literally, during the test, taught myself how to do a mail merge, all this stuff. And I wound up getting a position. But it was my two years of financial aid where I was so hungry to find out how people were going to school. When I had to file something, I was looking at your file like, what's this? What's this? And I had a pen and paper and I would take notes on the scholarships people had and then I would research them. So I gained a lot of my information not knowing that was a God prepping me for my assignment during my time in school. 
And then my niece, who was like my first child, I did things with her. And it was seeing her gifts and talents and also seeing where she would have opposition in school, where she would hit a roadblock. And it was trial and error on trying to do things with her. And then my son, when he was born, my son was so quirky. Like me and him are so different. And I think I love that so much because in his quirkiness, I was able to see how the mind was, was working. And I became intrigued with the brain. And I started studying things on the brain. And then he had a preschool teacher who I would never forget, Miss Elbers. And she was the one who taught me because she's noticed something about him. She said he had a speech impediment. My son had a speech impediment when he was younger. And I was never embarrassed by it. Like people were like, oh my gosh, you told people your son has a speech problem. I say, yeah, so he could go get it fixed. Like who cares? And it was also in that her saying, you may not understand what's coming out of his mouth, but he's very intelligent because I'm able to say certain things to him and I know he gets it. And she would give me tips for him because she wanted me to see what she was seeing in preschool and come to find out he is, he was beyond and he knew beyond what I thought. So I fed it. I started feeding everything I saw that he had an interest in. So he was three and four years old, but he could go to the American Museum of Natural History and by the bones, look at a dinosaur and say, wow, look at that Diplodocus, right? No one else knows what a Diplodocus is, right? So I started being like wowed by that. Wow, I certainly don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, and then, so a lot of what I started doing with him, I started creating organization for him and structure for him and doing all these things. Like I said, I really wanted to give him what I didn't get because I was a good student, but I could have been great had someone had the time because like I said, my mother was working two jobs, my sisters or whatever, to sit with me and really cultivate what they were seeing in me. And then when I had my second son, it was the same thing all over again. And now with my daughter, it's just like a my daughter is in the third grade and reads like on a sixth grade reading level because she literally has been adapting to what she's seen her brothers do. And she's literally in the same cycle as them. I never treated her when she was in pre-K. She didn't get to do the homework packet at the end of the week. No, she did it every day as homework. So she sat at the table with her brothers and she's always had the same kind of routine. So when it became time for her to kind of get in first grade and second grade and do the bigger girl things, it was it's like nothing to her. So I, it was my family first working with them. And then I was able to use trial and error and then now apply it to other students. That's wonderful. And I like how you touched on with your son and with your children, how you were feeding their geniuses. So feeding into their strengths. I think a lot of people, a lot of parents, we kind of have these one track minds to how we think a path should go, the path that our children should follow, what it should look like, what they should be learning, what they should be doing. But it's in realizing that all kids are different. So everyone's learning experience is going to be different. And the fact that you were able to take that feedback from that teacher and kind of start to feed into your son's strengths and really grow and cultivate him. And now you're doing it with all your children. That is phenomenal. And that is a great lesson that I feel many parents can take away is that look at your children and see what their strengths are, what are the things that they thrive in doing, and then kind of start to cultivate those so that they can grow into their own strengths and whatever their path may look like, that can really contribute to their academic success because they're working on that path that is filling and thriving and making them thrive. Absolutely. And I, and I learned that, like, I tried to, you know, if I tried, when I tried to do my own thing, it didn't work. Right. And I, and that's another thing of trial and error. Like I tried to be like, Oh, I would love them to do for him to do this. And he, he, 
he hated it. Like anytime we put him in an activity or did something that was not of his personality, he absolutely hated it. And it's not, and we had to look back and be like, yes, it was a great lesson for him and mostly for, for, for us, you know, to see that when you don't feed who they are and their own identity is just going to be met with frustration. That's true. That is very true. If you love podcasts as much as I do, then you've probably thought about starting your own. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it will be fun to have your own talk show. Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. You can simply start with some gear that you already have and find a quiet space and hit record. Podcasting isn't hard, especially when you have the right partners. And that's why I chose Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and so many more within minutes of finishing your recording. With Buzzsprout, you'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and so much more. Plus, the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. No need to wait. Head on over to Buzzsprout and get started on your podcast today. Best of all, following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card, if you sign up for a paid plan and also help support my show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Head on over to Buzzsprout and let's create something great together. And I know you mentioned working in the financial aid office now. Financial aid, that's a whole different beast for a whole lot of parents. So what kind of tips could you offer to just someone that is going to have to face that financial aid journey with their children? Because we all get there at some point in time. Do you have like a tip for anything that you could offer when it comes to financial aid? Well, my first tip is always whatever you think it is, it's not. I just want to crush every myth that you have. I want to crush the myth that I make too much money so I won't fill out the FAFSA. Crush that myth that if I, 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 oh, I don't make a lot of money so I'm going to get a whole bunch of financial aid or not financial aid, free financial aid, right? There's a lot of myths. And I think that's the thing that also, when you go into the college process with all the myths that you've heard and you're not open to learning anything else, it actually hinders you, right? Because it puts you in a box. You didn't put financial aid in a box. You put yourself in a box. And now you are now limiting yourself to the information that is free to you, but you just don't know right? We just lack understanding. So for example, you would think I am low income. I'm going to get a lot of free financial aid. I want you to understand that the FAFSA that you fill out, everyone should fill it out. I don't care what school they go to. I don't care how much money you make. That FAFSA is just a big old calculator. And it's what they used to say, oh, we want to capture financial, want to capture your financial position. And then we will offer you something. It does not have emotion. It does not have feelings. There is no one at the basketball office going over your financial aid form. It is a big calculator. The way that it gets adjusted is through your financial aid office. So you think my EFC, expected family contribution, right, is zero. They they don't expect you to contribute anything, right? So you think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get so much free financial aid. No, this is what they're going to do. They're going to say, 
here's some, here's a grant you may qualify for, for low income. Mm-hmm. Now, if your student is not doing well in school, you won't be offered any merit-based scholarships, right? So we forget that factor. Or if the student is not doing well, there's certain things they can't offer you. I don't care how much money you make or don't make. Then they're going to say, because your school is costing $20,000, i am going to give you amounts of aid. It will be a mixture to make up the gap. So the gap may be a $5,000 grant, right? And now you have $15,000 left. They may say, I'm going to give you a $5,000 loan, unsubsidized for your student, and then a $10,000 parent loan. So you're like, why am I getting all these loans? Because it didn't matter that you were low income. They're just giving you aid to fill up the gap that the financial calculators said we need to fill up. Wow. That's deep. Never even thought about that. That's just deep on so many levels. I don't even know what to say after that. But just thinking about it and knowing, as you said, it's a calculator and just, wow, that's on so many levels. So if you are a parent listening and you need some help with financial aid or figuring out this whole academic success, that I definitely recommend that you hook up with Candace because she is going to get you straight. So what is it like for you being a working mom during this time? Oh gosh, I, I I feel like it's trial and error every week. Like you you have to reset every week because every week can be different. You know, in the springtime when we all were thrown into remote learning, I mean, the first three weeks were rough. I'm working from home. You're trying to monitor the kids because nobody knows what we're doing. It was just really really rough to find a to find a rhythm and a routine that worked for everybody. So it was constantly changing. And then you have the summertime when things were trying to open up, but now there's no camp. So I don't know about anyone else, but mentally I was like, I I need something to change because I am losing it. I don't care what I do for a living. I still am a normal human being person and a mom. And this is a lot um, trying to work with everyone in the house. And and now that we started up for the fall, it's it's a little bit better because they have a better handle on the structure, but it's still, you know, I'm in the other room. I'm working, but I'm lightly working because my daughter's still calling me for something. She has breaks. You want to make sure that they're not leaving the classroom. Like no one can, I keep telling my kids, like people can see you leave. You can't leave for a snack before there's a break. You know what I mean? Like trying to get them to understand that now we are in more Zoom meetings during the day for them that you can't just leave. So trying to master it all, I am like everyone else. What works this week may not work next week. And I may have to adjust and being flexible enough to adjust quickly and not holding myself in any kind of guilt or condemnation that something didn't work that I tried. Right. Because it is a lot of trial and error this time. As you said, each week does look different. And we are all just trying to make it through the best way that we can. So I like how you just said, being flexible and realizing that it may not work this week, but that doesn't mean it won't work next week. And you just keep going back and keep trying. And that's really with anything that you have going on in life. Absolutely. So what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your life journey so far? For me, I, I have like two two things. It's like most recently I posted something on social media because I, I've been now getting so much work. I've had to hire an assistant and, and hiring her and me making an announcement about it. I had a cousin who is now in her 30s that I helped through school before I had a business, right? Because when I came out of school, I was just helping everybody. Even though I was an accountant, it was always just in me to help everybody. When I saw the need there, I always wanted to meet it. And she's in her 30s and she made a comment 
that really blew me away and remind and it kind of reminded me of the importance of what I was doing. And she's like, you know, this is such a great post. And I love that she found you. But I just want to say as, as, you know, as fortunate as she is to have you, I need you to realize how fortunate you are to have her. Because there were many times through college, and I've seen her go from high school, college to grad school to her career and make changes. She is like, I wanted to quit very, like very much a lot of times. And Candace had to come and encourage me and she helped me through some of the toughest spots of my life that I don't think I could have did it without her. So I just want you to realize who you're in company with, right? I want you to realize who she can be for you as well. And I think that this is a divine thing and, you know, thank God for it. So seeing her say that, it reminded me of what I did years ago before there was even a business, you know, how it impacted her. And she's not actually in my house. You know what I mean? Right. That was big for me. And then most recently, what was big is that having my son is a sophomore in college and going through his college process, it was so funny because when he was in high school, I was super stressed and had anxiety. Like I've never done it before. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it's different when it was him going and he has worked very hard and I have worked very hard with him. And at first I wasn't seeing the fruit. And I remember praying to God, like, God, you got me doing it like I know this is my assignment you got me starting this business I don't really have a lot of fruit like yes I have his grades but I, where's the, the other fruit like we need money <laughs> we need right. money to get to school I'm doing all the things I know to do and and we we, we definitely definitely you know was offered the little five thousand dollar loan fast but you know after we fell the FAFSA and then his school me contacting them and them saying there was no money available and then he wound up getting you know thirty thousand before he even stepped wow. campus from the no money to 30 so i was wow. like you know i did right i did what i know to do and not only that he got some extra money and it wasn't until like a month ago where we had the biggest thing we encountered was that he was able to get a full tuition scholarship and it came at the in the most effortless way and i literally dropped to my knees and was like and there it is, God, right? And it came suddenly out the blue. Honestly, we don't know how he got it because we applied for one thing and I think he was considerate of it for it. And I just, it just brings me back to the scripture. I don't remember exactly where it is, but it says, you know, the blessings of the Lord make me rich and add no toil to it, right? And I think that's because we've already put works to the faith. And when it was time for the money to come in, there was no toiling to be done. There was nothing to be done. It came in as it should have. Wow, that is a phenomenal story. And that is just phenomenal. And just to see the fruits of your labor that you have done over the years and to just see it in your own life and with your own child and just the impact that you're making in all these lives outside of your own home. I mean, that is just phenomenal. So I just thank you so much for sharing that all with us. I thank you for sharing your story and just all the different tips that you have for us today. So if you could tell us where can we find you online if there's a parent that needs to get take advantage of your services, they need some help, need some guidance, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me at my website. It is www.candace, C-A-N-D-A-C-E, Hudson, H-U-T as in Tom, S-O-N, CandaceHudson.com. Uh, my site actually just got rebooted. So we're kind of up and running now, just making little changes here and there. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Candace M. Hudson. 
Uh, I have a lot of fun on Instagram. I love my page. <laughs> I do give you some academic coaching, some inspirational stuff, and a little bit of fun. And I am on Facebook. You can find me as Academic Coach Candace Hudson. That is awesome. And I will be sure to link to all of that in the show notes. So thank you, Candace, for joining me today. This was such a great interview and so much information that I feel so many parents will benefit from. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Want to connect with me before the next episode drops? Do you want a preview of all the great things that are coming to the More Than a Mother podcast? Then join me over on Instagram and Facebook at More Than a Mother Podcast. I can't wait to connect with you.